Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas, both physical and spiritual, and for all the girls who are being raised to be spiritual mamas. It's not to, flowers might um, confuse you a bit, but it's not a typical Mother's Day message. So guys, don't check out. We're not just speaking to the women today. Um, But the flowers might confuse you a bit since it is Mother's Day. I'm going to pray real fast and then we'll get going. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that your spirit is already moving through this place. We thank you for all the things that you want to do in each and every one of us today. And God, I just lay um, anything in my flesh at your feet, Lord. And I just ask that the words that I speak today would be straight from the throne room of heaven, that it only speak to your people what you want to tell them this morning. We thank you for the women and the men of this church and the next generation that is coming behind us, um, Lord, and that we get to bring more of your kingdom here to earth. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, second week of showers, and I, I'm laying, laying my pride out real fast here. <laughs> I submitted this series idea to our teaching team in November of 22. I told the Lord it was a horrible idea, because usually when we submit series ideas, sometimes it's scripture, but like usually you have something like backing it up. And I just sent scripture. And last week, Becca was like, is there anything you want for the Instagram? And I was like, nope, I got nothing. (laughs) Just the scripture. And so it was actually from a page in my journal from January of 2021. And 2020, for most of us, but for me and my family especially, like the worst year ever, probably. And so I got to the end of 2020 And I was like, Jesus, this next year has to be better. And whatever I have to do to, for it to be better, I will do. And he just told me to surrender. Like my word for the year was surrender. And so as I, as that year started and I looked through my journal and there wasn't really a prompt on why I was given the scripture, um, Ezekiel 34. 425, that whole passage, I just had that randomly in my journal. And then in the fall of 2022, I felt like I was supposed to go back to that word and share it with a friend for someone in their life. And then submitting series ideas, I felt again, send it in. And like I said, I didn't want to do it. It didn't make sense. I was like, okay, God, I'll send it. Surely nobody will think this needs to be a series. But here we are (laughs) in showers. And I think it's so cool, the things that Jesus does when we lay our pride aside. And we just do what he's asking us to do. We choose obedience. And how he speaks to each member of our teaching team so uniquely. 
Like Phil's message last week blew my mind and I can't even recap it for you because I will not do it justice. So if you miss it, it go listen to it. Um, you'll hear him stomping around probably in the background of the podcast. But he did such a phenomenal job and the word that the Lord gave him from this scripture was nothing that I would have, like, that's not what the Lord was speaking to me. And there was so much freedom that came from last week that set us up perfectly for what the Lord wants to do this week. And even if you missed it last week, he's still going to do something. And so before we get started, um, I think this is really important to say up front, and I think it sets a good foundation for us because the world thinks blessings are tangible things. And that's what this passage is speaking about, showers of blessing. And so the world thinks you're blessed if you have money and status and the job that you want, if you have expensive things, but that's not true. While surely those things can be from the Lord, if we're operating under his authority, the most important and useful blessings we receive in our life are spiritual ones. And Paul writes about some of them in Ephesians 1, and I, don't, I already have a lot of scripture today, and I told Peyton I wouldn't preach on the whole Bible. So go and read Ephesians 1 this week, because I am so confident that the most important spiritual blessings, we, the most important spiritual blessing we ever received was Jesus. And through his death and resurrection, so the gospel, a relationship with Jesus, and the authority that we carry through his name. And so there's an abundance of spiritual blessings that the Lord wants to pour out on every single one of us. But I think we're so stuck in what the world thinks a blessing is that we are missing what he is doing completely. Our eyes are so focused on the tangible things we can have right now that we are living spiritually dry lives. Or we look at people who have everything that we want and we're like, surely God must, God's favor must be on them, but I don't. I don't get it. They don't, they don't, they are not walking with him. And they're probably living spiritually dry lives because they don't have Jesus. It doesn't matter what their life looks like here on earth. It matters what our life is going to look like in heaven. And so our spiritual life comes first. The spiritual blessings we receive from the Lord are coming first. And that starts with Jesus. And there are so many passages that show us that point to Jesus in a relationship with him like this comes first and the authority and restoration he is bringing to our lives through a relationship with him and so Ezekiel the passage for this series is Ezekiel 34 25 through 31 I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops and the people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who have enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I 
the Lord their God am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. So Phil mentioned um, Leviticus 26 last week. And so I went and read Leviticus 26. But then I also saw multiple places where this passage is basically in scripture, almost verbatim. Um, each author just has their unique way of saying it. So some are more poetic or, um, and some are more direct. And so I want to read through a few of those today because I think when I know that when God repeats himself, it's, we, got, we have to listen. And so whatever he, there's a reason why he repeated this so many times throughout scripture because it's what he wanted us to know about who he is. And so Leviticus 26, 3 through 13, and this is in the message version, and it will be on the screen. If you live by my decrees and obediently keep my commandments, I will send the rains in their season. The ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. You will thresh until the grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until planting time. You'll have more than enough to eat and will live safely and secure in your land. I'll make the country a place of peace. You'll be able to go to sleep at night without fear. I'll get rid of the wild beasts. I'll eliminate war. You'll chase out your enemies and defeat them. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and do away with them. I'll give you my full attention. I'll make you prosper, make you sure you grow in numbers and keep my covenant with you in good working order. You'll still be eating from last year's harvest when you have to clean out the barns and make room for the new crops. I'll set up my residence in your neighborhood. I won't avoid or shun you. I'll stroll through your streets. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. I am God, your personal God, who rescued you from Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I ripped off the harness of your slavery so that you can move about freely. And then Deuteronomy 28, 14. Wait, three, 1 through 14, sorry. And this is in the NLT version. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully keep all of his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the lands he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will sell rain at the proper time for his rich treasury in heaven and will bless all the work you do. 
You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. And the last is in Hosea 2.14. Through 23. And this is talking about the Lord's unfaithful love for Israel. But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and I will speak tenderly to her there. I will return to her, her vineyards to her, and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from the captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. O oh, Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips, and you will never mention them again. On that day, I will make a covenant with all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground, so they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, so that you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. In that day, I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the sky as it pleads for the clouds, and, I will s and the sky will answer the earth with rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees, and they in turn will answer Jezreel, which means God plants. And that time I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those I called not loved and to those I called not my people. And I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. So that's a lot of scripture. But basically, the same passage over and over again. And most of them started with when you obey my commands, when you come under his authority and walk in obedience to him. And God's very, very clear that we are to obey him and keep his commands. And that means we recognize his authority in our lives. That means we surrender and we obey and we walk in his authority. And it's easier said than done because there are so many distractions and things that we place before God. And we become more obedient to what the world expects from us than to what God is asking of us. And we are becoming obedient to what the world expects to us, but we still are expecting Jesus to do X, Y, and Z. We're still asking him to come and do whatever we want, but we're not surrendered to him. And culture has us thinking that it's okay to do what we want and feel what we want and say what we want, but ignore all truth and we are still owed blessings from God. And so we have the wrong, one, we have the wrong idea about what blessings are. And we have believed the lie, and it's blinded us from the truth that God's authority over our life is a, actually a blessing. God's authority over our life is actually a blessing. It's one of the most important ones. Because we would rather do whatever we want and operate and live our instead of operate, and live our lives under the authority of God. And we have, had, we have made idols 
and placed expectations on things in our life that has withheld blessings that the Lord has for us and things that he wants to pour out on our lives because we are choosing to sit under those heavy bars, those heavy yokes, instead of walking in freedom because we're not operating in the authority we have through Jesus. He conquered death, and we let the enemy trick us into thinking we're helpless and powerless. Guess what? When you're under God's authority and you submit to it, you carry that authority with you because of Jesus. And so we send that lie back to hell because there's so much that is being withheld from the Lord's people because we are not willing to surrender because we think it makes us look weak and powerless. And we're giving the enemy an opportunity to withhold the things that the Lord has for us because we are operating in, under that spirit. And so we say no more in the name of Jesus. Surrender is not bad. Surrender to the Lord is not bad. It's holy. Surrender is holy. It's where we find peace and restoration. Full restoration comes from when we submit to his authority and live our lives under that authority. And I believe that we're in a season of restoration and the Lord wants to do things that he's never done before. Both in the spiritual, spiritual and the physical realm. But our attitudes and our heart posture towards surrender to him and his authority are withholding what he wants to do. Because the things he wants to do are endless. And he's calling his people back to himself. Like in that, the Hosea verse, he's preparing his bride. He is ready for full restoration and he wants to bring more of his kingdom here to earth. He wants to do things that will blow our minds. He's calling his people back to himself. And he wants our eyes to be open to all that he's doing. He doesn't want us to miss any of it. He wants our eyes to be open so that we can recognize first what he is doing. And then we can testify and bring him glory and honor and praise. And when we operate under his authority and we live surrendered to him, that's when we have the opportunity to witness the blessings he's pouring out on our lives. Things that we probably wouldn't notice before or give him glory for before, when we are operating under his authority and we are walking in it and we're surrendered to him, we notice things like never before. Like Chris today with this bus across the street, you are surrendered to the Lord and your eyes are open to what the Lord is doing in the physical and the spiritual realm. That that's a blessing. To be under the authority of the Lord is a blessing. To be able to identify what he is doing in the physical realm and how it correlates to the spiritual realm, that's a blessing. That is far greater than any amount of money. And we are so caught up in the things that, the physical things that we don't have that, and not surrender to the Lord that we are missing out what he is doing in the spiritual realm. And he wants to partner with us. We get to be co-laborers with him and bringing his kingdom to earth, to prepare this place for him to bring heaven to earth. And we're missing it because we think surrender is bad. Surrender is, makes, makes you weak. Like when you think of war and a, the enemy surrenders, you think you're weak. The enemy gets to surrender to us because of the authority we carry. He's restoring 
He's restoring all of this to what his original plan was, to what it's going to be. And we get a glimpse of heaven when we recognize his restoration in our lives. And I get to invite one of my favorite people in the world to come up on stage because she has a really amazing story of how God has brought restoration to her life. So Anna, please come up here. You can stand wherever you want. What'd you say? You can stand wherever you want. Here's good. Okay. (laughs) We're sisters, if you can't tell. We don't get it very often that we look alike. Depends on the day. Yeah. (laughs) But she is one of my favorite people in the whole world. And yeah. Um, So I already gave away your name. Oh, my name's Anna. (laughs) Anna, Nani, Nani girl. The works. Queen. How old are you? I'm 21. I don't know why you wanted me to say my age, well, but I'm 21. It's <laughs> relevant to the story. Okay, all right. <laughs> that you're going to share. Yes, you're 21. I am. So I can't call her my baby sister anymore because you're not a baby. Growing up. Adult life. All right. Okay, <laughs> so I want you to tell us about your, like, your first 19 years 19-ish, because people would do the math, and they would configure that that would make me 22. Three weeks shy of 19. Three weeks shy of turning 19. Um, So I was born with a disease called cystic fibrosis, and um, it mainly affects your lungs and digestive system, but pretty much hits everything else, too. Um, So for the first 19-ish years of my life, um, I battled a chronic illness, and it pretty much ruled my everyday life. Um, So I grew up in and out of the hospital all the time and constant IV treatments. And my disease got to a point where we thought a double lung transplant was in my near future um, because the treatments that we had been doing, they weren't keeping me healthy anymore. They were just kind of buying us time so I would need new lungs. Okay, what changed? So in November of 2019, I started a medication called Trikafta. And what that does is it basically allows the defect in a CF person's body to function. And so within just six days of taking that, um, my disease was changed very quickly. And um, prior to that, um, I was being admitted in the hospital every like six to eight weeks. Um, and now it's been over a year and a half since I've been admitted last. And um, my lung function also, since starting it, I've gained over 40% lung function back. And that's something that once you lose it, you typically don't get it back. So, yeah. Yeah. The hospital is no longer the country club. No. <laughs> okay. So what has God been doing in your heart over the last three years? Over the process of healing, um, God's really been capturing my heart. And when he was, in a sense, bringing me from death to life physically, he was doing that spiritually, too. And like Chris said, the things in the physical reflect the spiritual. And that's a perfect example of that. Okay. So now we have a really cool picture of what God's been doing in your body in the last three years. Very vulnerable. Do you care to share? (laughs) 
So um, these are my lungs in January of 2020, just a few months after taking Trikafta. Um, and a humbling moment for me was when the doctor compared it to Swiss cheese because of all the holes. And then if you look at that one, that is 20, January 2023. So it might not mean much if you, to you, but um, you can see that like the holes are pretty much closed. Um, and lung damage is something that I always thought once I had it, it would be there forever, but he closed the holes. So, <laughs> hey. What was your reaction when you saw that picture? Because you just saw it a couple weeks ago. At yeah. Your, yeah. You also graduated. What did you say? You graduated. I did. I am no longer a pediatric patient. <laughs> um, I was very grateful. Um, and also the doctor like practically skipped in the room to show me that. So that was pretty cool. Um, your reaction when you saw the picture? What was your first thought? You texted it to me. Oh. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, what was it? <laughs> you wrote, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that memory. Yeah. And what did the doctor tell you at the end of the visit? He told me to plan for retirement. And for some context, um, when I was born, my life expectancy was 30 to 35. And so a short life is something that I always expected for myself, but our expectations are often not what God has for us. Um, so now I gotta save some money because I'm gonna get old. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Public speaking is not new to her, but I am very proud of her, and being her sister, when she told me that she was able to like plan for retirement, I was so amazed because when she was born, like that wasn't any any of our family's expectation for her life. That's things that we dreamed and we hoped for, but we never thought would become a reality for her. And then being walking alongside her as she's fallen more in love with Jesus. I got to see what he was doing in her body and her heart. And so when she sent that picture and her first reaction was giving God glory for what he was doing in her body, I was like, did you, like, this is so cool that how he correlated your spiritual life and your physical life over the last three years. Because of a picture of her lungs, well, you started Trikafta in November of 2019. And then that picture over here was her lungs shortly after starting it. And there were still holes, but it took time for that restoration to be complete. And he never stopped pursuing her and calling her back spiritually in the process of that. And I knew when she sent me that picture, it would be a part of my message somehow, but I was kind of nervous to ask her to share because it's a very vulnerable thing. But I was reminded of the verse in, Ezekiel, in that passage in Ezekiel, and he rid her body of beast of constant infections, and he gave her lungs a safe place to heal and become whole. And at the perfect time, he revealed the fruit of that restoration to her. Because we expect God to move in an instant. And he can, and he does, and he will. But sometimes that restoration process, it takes a while. 
and we don't see what's happening. But over time, and in his perfect time, he reveals to us what he's doing. And we get uncomfortable in that, that process. And we think God has left us in that process. And the, like it says in Ezekiel, the wilderness is a safe place. And so even though your life may feel dark and you may feel alone and you're not hearing from God, it's a safe place. It's a peaceful place. He doesn't leave you in that place. And Steph Wolf shared a few weeks ago about the super bloom that's happening at West at our Flourish brunch. And I wasn't able to stop thinking about it. And I went back and forth on whether or not I wanted it to be a part of my message. And then this week I was like, okay, I'll read some articles on it, learn more about what it actually is besides like flowers coming up. And the Lord speaks to me through confirmation, which I thought was a bad thing, but it's not. And the first article I pulled up was our series logo. And I texted Holly and I was like, well, I'm now preaching on this. Like the super bloom will now be a part of my message because here we go. It's right behind me. And so what is a super bloom? Scientists describe it as a rare and well-timed act of nature. I would like to say act of God. That causes short bouts of wild blooms all at once in a particular area. One scientist said these rare and unpredictable wildflower blooms occur when high precipitation levels in the natural landscape areas are combined with long years of drought. Phil, that reminded me of your message last week. Drought conditions eliminate grass and weeds, beasts of the land, that typically take over fields, making way for the blooms to take their place instead. Another article said, seeds stored in the desert sands for five, 10, or even 30 years respond to wetter than average conditions, creating carpets of yellow, white, and purple flowers. The cause is a combination of the timing and amount of rain. That's a Kairos moment. God gets the glory for what he's doing. Before the heavy rains and the snowfall that plummeted the state recently, California had experienced, and I feel like this is not by chance because the darkness and evil that we have seen become that has revealed itself to, to us in the last three years. And I think it's revealing itself because it's scared of what the Lord is doing. And then we get the authority to stomp it out and tell it to go back to where it belongs. And so while spiritually, a lot of people have probably experienced three of the driest years in their life, the earth has experienced its driest years. And the drought could have reduced the number of invasive grass seed on the landscape and helped improve the chances for native plants to capitalize on the heavy rains and thrive. The drought that we've been that you could be experiencing physically is making way for what the Lord is, wants to do in your life. It's ridding the land of all of the beasts, all of the weeds and the crap that grow inside of us. That darkness is being told to go where it belongs. And then the Lord is bringing heavy rains. And scientists, or park people, I don't know the right term. 
want to park people. Sorry if anybody's a park person in here. They advise people to be cautious when visiting. So you can look, but you can't, like, you can't physically touch them. You can take pictures, but in order for it, it's not for our enjoyment, is what they said. It's a display of what life happening. It's a display of beauty. And so in order for that cycle to continue, we can't let it be trampled on. And that's in the physical and the spiritual. Because if you would come through, I'm not going to stomp on these beautiful flowers because some of you get to, or all of you get to take some home. And I don't want to ruin them. But if you come through and trample through, you destroy the seed that brings more life. So after the life cycle of this flower ends, it produces a seed, that seed drops, and then it brings new life. And so they were telling people these, that this beautiful display, they said nature, I say God. We have to protect it. We have to be careful and cautious with it. We have to keep it safe. And how we do that is by not coming through and ruining what is happening. Because the end goal isn't the flower. The end goal is the seed. And that's, those aren't my words. This is from a park person. <laughs> but I was like, hey, God, we can use that for your glory because they're just saying keep nature intact. And I'm like, how about we go a step further? The end goal isn't the flower. The end goal is the seed. The end goal is what's left behind after we see the restoration, after we come under his authority. And the enemy's trying to stomp out believers. He's trying to trample the trample with the spirit of religion, with the ex acceptance of demonic culture in our world, with the idolization of money and jobs and status. He's coming through and he's trampling it all so that we don't have a, op the opportunity to pass the seed of belief onto the next generation. So that what God is doing in our lives can't continue to grow because it is completely wiped out. We have to put an end to this. We cannot justify people's feelings and let the enemy come through on trample on them anymore. We speak truth. But we do it, and we do it in a way that's loving. But we don't forego it so that we don't hurt people's feelings. Because the Lord is ready. He is going to do whatever he wants to, whether we are obedient to him or not. But we're called to be obedient to him. And that's not for our benefit necessarily. That's for his. That's so we can bring him glory. That's so we can partner with him. Because he's calling his people back to himself. He's ridding the land of beasts and danger. And he's saying, come here. Come to me. Look at all these beautiful things that I have prepared for you. You might not physically see them with your eyes on the physical, but you'll feel them. 
you'll know me more intimately because I'm waiting for you. The conditions are perfect. I'm ready to pour out my spirit on you. I'm ready to pour out my blessings. Those places that feel dry and desolate, I'm ready for you. I'm ready to give you everything I have for you. You say life feels hopeless and dark, and it might, but that doesn't mean I've left you. That doesn't mean my peace doesn't surround you. That doesn't mean I haven't defeated the enemy for you. And the enemy's trying to think you, trick you and make you think that Jesus didn't die for you. He might have for everybody else, but there's no way he could have possibly done that for me. And he did it for you. Those places that feel hopeless and dark, he is right there with you. And they don't have to be hopeless and dark. They still might suck for a while. Restoration takes time. It's not a quick and easy fix when you follow Jesus. But he's ready and he's waiting. And he's not absent from you. He is right there with you. And he's making the land safe and peaceful. And he's restoring everything that we thought was dead in our lives when we surrender to him. And when we walk in his authority. And this is just a physical representation of what he's doing in the spiritual. That super bloom out west is just a physical representation of what he is doing. And the Lord spoke that to our vision team nine months ago, six months ago. That he was pouring out joy. That the things he was doing in this season are far beyond what we could ever imagine. And he is showing us what he is doing. And he wants us to be a part of it. But it takes surrender to him. It takes obedience. And claiming your authority and walking in freedom. In Ezekiel 34, 25 through 31. I will make a covenant of peace with them. And rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them in the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. He is not withholding anything. That could be in all capital letters in the Bible. There will be showers of blessing. Not if you do this, there will be showers of blessing. He is waiting. He has it ready for you. He is, wants to pour it out. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. Under his authority, we are secure in the land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. He has freedom waiting for you. It takes surrender to want freedom. It takes obedience to want freedom. We're so caught up in pity parties all the time that we are justifying how we feel and the chains that we think we have attached to us. And we're choosing not to walk in freedom because it's easier to throw a pity party than surrender to Jesus. You will know that he is the Lord when he breaks the bars of your yoke and rescues you from the hands of those who enslaved you. 
It looks different for us now than it did then. A lot of those those bars and those heavy yokes we carry are things that we've placed on ourselves. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. The world today is trying to make us afraid. The enemy is trying to make us live lives of fear. To make us doubt what God is doing. To make us doubt that he even exists because of the evil that surrounds us. If evil is trying to come after you, God exists. That the enemy doesn't have authority over you. He doesn't have any place to make you afraid. That fear you are feeling, you get to tell to go back to the hell in the name of Jesus. Because the Lord has already provided a safe place for you to dwell. A place where you don't have to live in fear. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep. You are my people. You are the people that I have chosen. All of you. I chose my son to die for you. I am the Lord, your God. Come under my authority. Surrender to me and see all of the beautiful things I have waiting for you. Let go of the world's standards and expectations of what your life should look like and see all that I have for you. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. Whether you believe it or not, or you like it or not, he is your God and he loves you endlessly. And this is what he has prepared for you because of how much he loves you. Because of how much he desires you, desires for you to know him and have a relationship with him. Surrender is just a part of it. Surrender, obedience, and authority, those all go together. That's the start of a relationship with Jesus. And then you watch all the beautiful things flow that even though your life may feel like it is at the darkest place, you feel like you are in the pit, you call on the name of Jesus and things begin to change. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing, for the ways that you haven't left us in dry and dark places without your presence right there with us that we don't have to live in fear. We get to live in peace and safety because of you. And Jesus, we thank you that for the 10,000 things you are doing at once, even more than that, God, the abundance of things that you are doing that we don't even realize because we are so focused on what is happening right in front of us that our eyes aren't fixed on you, Jesus, and we don't see all of the beautiful things you have waiting for us. Lord, open our eyes. Help our eyes to be fixed on you and only you. It may feel dark. It may feel like wilderness. 
but you've never left us. And you are restoring us. You are bringing us back to yourselves. And even if we don't see the fruit of that right this moment, God, we can trust that you are good. We can trust the restoration process. We can trust that you bring beauty from ashes, God. Lord, we just give it to you. And if you feel led, I just encourage you to open your hands and surrender to him. And it feels awkward at first, but it is the best feeling spiritually. Full surrender to him. Walking in obedience and under his authority. We thank you that we carry your authority, Lord. We thank you that we get to tell the enemy where to go in the name of Jesus. That we don't have to live in fear because of that. Lord, we thank you for the future you have planned for us, for all of the things you are doing that we don't even realize, that we might not even realize until we get to heaven. But you have given us a future and a hope. And we get to prosper. And we get to pass on seeds to the next generation. We thank you for the power of testimonies and bring you honor and glory and praise. And I thank you for the testimonies that will flow out of this place today that are going to draw people back to yourself. Lord, do everything that you have in mind. We are with you, heart and soul. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.